Population health management is a major focus for healthcare organizations across the country. It means healthier communities and in today's environment can often mean better reimbursement, which is critical to rural hospitals and healthcare providers. So how do we manage the health of our patients to build stronger rural communities? With innovative care models, provider collaboratives, and an accountable care organization. I'm Rachel Lott. And I'm JJ Hodshire. And this is Rural Health Rising. Welcome to episode 29 of Rural Health Rising. I'm JJ Hodshire, President and CEO of Hillsdale Hospital. And I'm Rachel Lott, Director of Marketing and Development. So population health is a topic we've referred to on Rural Health Rising before, but you know we really haven't got into the specifics uh, the way that we are today. Uh, it's a major focus for healthcare providers, and it can be particularly important in rural communities like ours here at Hillsdale. That's right. And today we're talking with someone who works in this area on a regular basis through the organization he leads at the state level. Our guest today is John Barnes, Executive Director of the Michigan Center for Rural Health. Welcome to Rural Health Rising, John. Thanks, JJ. Thanks, Rachel. Appreciate the opportunity. Hope you're all having a great day. Absolutely, we are. John, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and your work at the Michigan Center for Rural Health? Sure, glad to. Um, I was born down in South Bend, so I'm a Notre Dame fan. I was raised in Livonia. Um, I'm a Chippewa. I got my uh, bachelor's and my teaching certificate from CMU. Had some various um, social service jobs, but I think the the turning point uh, in my career was when I was hired in Battle Creek at North Avenue Women's Center. Uh, It was a Kellogg Foundation-funded project for uh, Medicaid population uh, for for childbirth. It was to address the infant mortality uh, in the area, very high infant mortality back in the late 80s. So that was in 1991, um, and really to address the infant mortality rate, we had to get into pediatrics. So we wrote another Kellogg Foundation grant. So then we had North Avenue Women's Center and the Children's Health Center. Then we, we met a couple consultants, and uh, we added uh, adult medicine, too. So then we had everything covered, and we uh, applied for and received federally qualified health center status. So we became an FQHC and we became Family Health Center at Battle Creek, which is now Grace Health. And it's really in those four and a half years I was there that I really learned about population health, about social determinants of health. So 1994, I was offered a position as a rural health analyst here at the center. In 2000, I became the director and uh uh, look back. I, I, I'm now the director of the Michigan Center for Rural Health for uh, 21 years, 21 years in February. Wow. What an incredible journey, John. And what great news to hear that the Kellogg Foundation, that it's been supporting you know, a lot of our efforts here in Hillsdale County, was so instrumental in the start for you. That's great to hear. So you know, now that we've established who you are and what you do, um, let's start with the why, and we do this on every episode, so we get to know our guests just a little bit better. So, so John, what is your why? What motivates you, and what gets you up out of bed in the morning? That is a good question. Um, you know, it's at the center, we manage probably 12 or 14 different programs or services, and I like to think that uh, my staff, which are they're just A+, plus, um, and work very well with, with the rural communities, rural hospitals, rural clinics, 
providing free education via faculty at Michigan State, recruitment and retention services, lean projects. You know, I like to think that what we do is important and we can measure it and we do it well. And, you know, truthfully, Rachel and JJ, there has never been a day where I didn't get out of bed and I didn't want to come to work. I really like working at the center and working with our rural communities. You know, John, that's a great that's a great testimony to all of the hard work that I've observed you engage in over the years that have I've gotten to know you uh, here working at Hillsdale Hospital. And I certainly know that that is definitely your why. And you can see the passion in the work that you produce. So understanding that passion, let's let's segue into this whole concept of population health. Now, we know it's been a major focus for healthcare uh, providers over the last several years. And, you know, we hear more and more of it as we go to conferences and, and get into our webinars. And in some ways, um, it marks a shift from how providers manage their patient population in their communities in the past. Um, for those who aren't totally sure what we mean when we say population health management, can you give us a rundown of what that means, John, to our listener? Yeah, and it, it's, it, you would think it would be simple, but it's simple and it's complicated. Um, it, it's, it's managing a, a, a group of people and improving their health across the spectrum. So let me give you an example. I used, you know, my work at the Family Health Center of Battle Creek as like the cornerstone of learning about social determinants of health. And it was really clear that in order to improve the health of the entire person or family, you had to do more than just address their health care. You know, as you two know, you know, health care is like 20% of what you really need to be a healthy individual. It's also food security and water and how adequate housing and transportation. And, 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 and now what we've also learned is it's, it's there's this pandemic has showed us there's a, a rural divide for broadband access for Wi-Fi, And that's a critical aspect now that really wasn't part of, you know, my learning about social determinants of health or population health 25 years ago, there wasn't anything like that really, but, but now you need, the Wi-Fi, the broadband depth in order to provide health care, in order to provide access to school and jobs. So population health is, is managing everything together in order to improve the health outcomes of a community like a Hillsdale or an Alcona. Um, it's, it's everyone working together to address it. So it's really more focused on the group than the individual, which is kind of what healthcare providers are used to. The focus is typically on the individual, whereas population health management really looks at that population as a whole. So one of the ways that, John, your organization, uh, the Michigan Center for Rural Health, works to support healthcare providers focusing on population health is through different collaboratives and grants and things like that. So can you tell us about some of the work that your organization does specifically on that front? One of the, the strengths, I think, that we have here at the Michigan Center for Health is our ability to, we don't need to take credit. We, we like to collaborate. Um, I'd rather be the second fiddle than the guy out on the stage. You know, and, and so, and I think that's a strength. And so we, we partner, you know, on a, on a few programs that I'll share. You know, one is with the state of Michigan, the Enhancing Team-Based Health Care and we're working with the uh, community of Munising up in the Upper Peninsula to improve health outcomes in cardiovascular care. That's a new program. 
Uh, we're, this is here's a brand new one that we're working with the Alterum Institute. It's a CDC funded project. It's Healthy Hearts for Michigan. It's a three year research project, and we're going to be working with various FQHCs and primary care clinics across the state to improve again um, cardiovascular care um, with, with evidence based research. Uh, and then something that we just helped out the American Heart Association, we identified five other clinics across the state to work on blood pressure reduction. So those are, you know, some of the, you know, initiatives that we're working where we're not out front, but we're assisting other organizations and communities to improve the health of their communities. Then, of course, um, one area that we, that was really new to our portfolio four years ago was the ability to write to uh, receive grants for rural community opioid response programming. And uh, we have staff here, uh, Crystal Barter and Sarah Morin, who have been, and, and Jill Osterley, have been absolutely critical in writing to grants to bring programs into the eastern UP and the northeast section of the Lower Peninsula. And in fact, we're, as you know, JJ and, and Rachel, we, we're helping out Rebecca Burns at the health department to bring in a three-year grant into uh, your counties, into the Branch Hills, St. Joe. And then, of course, um, probably the most important project that addresses population health that we touch would be, you know, our work with Caravan to uh, bring in accountable care organizations into the state. You know, John, you touched on the fact that uh, your assistance has gone a long way in rural communities, and it truly has when I think of the grants uh, that you've helped uh, Hillsdale with. It's been incredible. And, you know, our collaboration now working with uh, the health department and you uh, for funding for the opioid crisis has been instrumental. Uh, but one of the particular areas where I think where I've seen you cut your teeth is in uh, the the accountable care organizations. And, you know, your not only participation in, but also you spearheaded this. You brought together, you know, hospitals from throughout Michigan and other places. And I'm going to have you talk about that. Um, so, you know, ACOs, I heard about those about six years ago, John, uh, went to a seminar in Texas, actually. Duke Anderson, my boss at the time, sent me there. I had no clue what an ACO was, no clue what it was about. Um, I was intrigued after the third day, uh, having absorbed everything about how this could actually work uh, in terms of population health management, how to care for our, our population. And, you know, from that, as you know, John, we have uh, an ACO that's very strong here uh, in Hillsdale. And we have a, a care coordinator uh, and we have a lot of effort. We have a physician who uh, supervises that. And we're giving resources to patients who would never have the resources if we weren't providing them uh, care for uh, post-discharge, you know, individuals that leave our hospital uh, that need care, uh, that don't have maybe access to food or access to medication. And it's more than just taking care of their clinical needs. And so, John, for our program today, can you explain, you know, in particular, what is an ACO um, and what makes that model so beneficial to both the patients and the providers in communities? Yeah, I'll do my best on that. And thanks for the kind words. Uh, you know, that we were able to take a model and, and spread it across the state. So so an ACO, a accountable care organization, it's a, it's a group of providers that get together that try to address a, a, pop, a specific population. So let's use the Medicare population in this case. So they, 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 they get together and they sign an agreement 
And in our case, with we, we have a turnkey, which was Caravan Health. And, and back then, six years ago, five years ago, a group of hospital administrators and FQHC administrators vetted a, a number of, of turnkey operations and, and settled on Caravan Health. And so you partner with them and you work with CMS, which is the funding agency for Medicare, and you get your assigned Medicare beneficiaries and you get data working with Caravan that is um, very timely and can show a, a physician the different status of how many times they visit the emergency department, what their health care costs are, and you work with your care coordinators and other agencies across the community to improve the quality of care and reduce the Medicare spend. And so and this is the pivotal part is that there is an incentive for the organizations that if you can increase your quality score and decrease your Medicare spend, usually it's a 3% benchmark, if you can go below that or, or go to 4%, then you can start to share that savings with CMS. So there's the financial, that's how you pivot to get people to really engage with this. They want to because you want to improve the care of the patient population, but also it's always nice to have an incentive to have a bonus at the end of the season that you can spread among your providers. And so I think Michigan has been very successful in implementing um, the ACO model, the Caravan Health ACO model across the state. There hasn't been a year, the last three years, that there haven't been shared savings among all the, the participating members and the quality scores always up. So we're really pleased with it. Uh, and and one, I guess one other thing to add about them is that it allows, for instance, when you start looking at, well, here's an example. Uh, we, we know that there was a, a lady who kept on coming into an emergency department uh, on a monthly basis, and someone finally flagged and said, why is she always coming in for her insulin? Why is that? And so they did a home visit and come to find out her refrigerator would go on the fritz and and the insulin would go bad, and so she'd have to come into the emergency department and get the insulin shot. Well, and, and the ACO model, you're allowed to, what we the hospital ended up doing is buying one of those little $69 dorm refrigerators, put it in her house, put a thermometer in it. That's where she keeps her medication. You spend $69 rather than $1,500 on an ED visit. You just drove down the cost of the Medicare spend. So you're allowed to do those types of things, some transportation, some home improvements for wheelchairs and, and, and ramps and whatnot. So it, it's just a, it's a really good, successful model that I think should be replicated at, at, at across as many communities as possible. So really what is intriguing about this to me is that this is one of those things where we're seeing, you talked before about the social determinants of health and the ACO model really allows healthcare providers to start to address some of those things in a way that they may not be able to otherwise or may not have been encouraged to do otherwise. It's really incentivizing that. Um, so speaking of Michigan, you said this has been very successful in Michigan. What are we seeing here in Michigan in terms of ACO participation versus what we're seeing um, around the country? Is this really something that healthcare providers are embracing or are healthcare providers still kind of dipping their toe in and trying to get their feel for it? Or is it really starting to gain momentum? This is, that's a good question, Rachel. And this is really, you hear about things that, you know, things should be from the grassroots up or things should be top down. This is clearly a top down model. If JJ doesn't believe in it, 
if, if, if the administration at Hillsdale Hospital doesn't believe in it, if the, if the medical staff doesn't, it won't work. And, and so that can be a, a tipping point is you have to have complete buy-in and faith from the leadership that this works and that you'll see the outcomes that uh, we were describing earlier in our conversation. You know, Rachel, one of the things that I want to highlight from what John shared earlier is, you know, where that success story rested. We have dozens of success stories that we share during our quarterly ACO call. And I'm just amazed at hearing the stories of how we've touched lives here in Hillsdale County and improved lives uh, for in expanding access for people who need that, that care. Um, our care coordinator has been instrumental in getting needed medications, equipment, supplies. I look at her work with um, our, our diabetic population and what she's been able to do with just some education and uh, counseling and services. It's been very phenomenal. So uh, with that, you know, obviously is, is significant accomplishment for patient care. But on the other side, John hit on, we're also uh, benefact, benefactors of, which is uh, the increase in our quality scores, which we've also seen increase significantly. And that, and anybody that's listening to this podcast today, uh, and you are in healthcare, you understand uh, that quality is a measurement for which we are reimbursed for now uh, in healthcare. And uh, percentage of our hospital business is at stake based on our quality scores. And so if you can engage in programs like that, which our guest today, John Barnes, is speaking about, uh, then it's very beneficial for not only your patient population, but also for the long-term viability of your hospital and your health system. So uh, I can I can speak firsthand and give testimony uh, to the great work that's been done in this program. So uh, John, what do you see as the future of ACOs just in general? Are we expecting that we'll see growth and uh, you know, is this going to be a standard now for population health management, or are those models that are better models gaining traction? What do you, what do you see right now uh, happening in the future? Well, it, you know, people are always looking at ways to improve the wheel, right? And and I think in this case, um, there is no improvement to be made. This this model that CMS came up with and and has engaged. Caravan Health has engaged it to the tune of a national model of more than 250,000 Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries works. There's been a couple other things. You know, you follow it, JJ and Rachel. You've heard about global budgeting. And um, I've had a couple CEOs say, you know, give me a budget and I'll make it work over the course of the year. And I believe they can, but life is messy and, and those things don't always work out really well. So, you know, there's the CMS just released the chart model which um, has been delayed a few times. That's the community health uh, improvement through uh, track. And then they also uh, want to push push forward the AIM model that started us out five five years ago. And and I think that's a and I that I think puts a spotlight on the importance of this ACO model, the Caravan Health model. It makes sense. I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, I think there's a lot more. Um, money to wring out of the cloth, um, so to speak. I, I think there's room for improvement for all people, all organizations and communities that are in the in the ACO model, and it, and it, that's just that's one piece that addresses population health in the community is the ACO model. There's other things that we need to take care of too that we we're discussing earlier, like food insecurity, uh, making sure you have adequate housing, um, how's the transportation. 
And again, you know, that broadband, we've got to address the broadband. That is now, you know, a social determinant of health. So there's many things, and the ACO addresses one portion of population health. It takes, you know, so many of those United Way agencies to address everything else in the churches too, and, you know, just the community in general. You know, John, you, you, you touched on uh, one of the factors that many people don't consider, and this is a national podcast, so someone maybe in Houston, Texas is listening to this or a large metropolitan area. One of the challenges we face in rural healthcare and rural America in general is uh, access to transportation. And in Hillsdale County alone, John, we have no public transportation in the county. Uh, the city of Hillsdale has a, um, a transportation service that's uh, very limited in terms of time and days. Um, but one of our biggest challenges is getting patients to their appointments. And one of the uh, beneficial uh, opportunities that have come out of our ACO is our ACO coordinator, a registered nurse, has been able to work with several social service agencies to get transportation to this population that would never have had it. You know, they just simply weren't making their appointments. And a lot of that relationship is post-discharge from the emergency department, we determined that they need follow-up care. So we send them to primary care, but they can't get to primary care or even specialty care. Why? They don't have a car. They came by ambulance and I or Duke were, were driving people home. That's the reality of what we face in rural health. I took someone home just two weeks ago uh, and that's what we do, right? But one of the things that the uh, ACO is able to afford us is the link between the system, the hospital, and just releasing someone and then the patient getting those delivered services that they desperately need. And that's been uh, incredible to watch, John, under your program. And uh, I couldn't be happier when I sit on those calls and hear of uh, the great opportunities that you know our staff are engaged in on a daily basis to help our patients and their families. And then obviously the pickup for our hospital uh, with the shared savings help cover the cost associated with this program. So if you're listening today on our podcast, we have John Barnes, Executive Director of the Michigan Center for Rural Health. And John has shared with us a great opportunity that exists for many uh, communities like Hillsdale, uh, and that is in the delivery of population health management, accountable care organizations. Um, we encourage you to reach out to your local uh, providers and ask for more information regarding this. And today, we thank John Barnes for his participation in our program. Uh, John, it's been great to have you on our show today, and you've certainly enlightened us uh, with what exactly the scope is of what you do uh, at the Center for Rural Health. And I will tell our audience uh, that what the work you produce is so beneficial to hospitals like mine. Rural, you know, we're, we're right at 100 beds. We're, we're not oftentimes a benefactor of, you know, lots of great negotiation power for Blue Cross Blue Shield. And in fact, 70% of my payer mix is Medicaid, Medicare. We operate on zero margin and at times even lower than that. Um, and it's great to have you out there looking for grants for us and looking for opportunities like the ACO. Had we not had you, John, uh, involved, uh, we would not have had the ACO. We have not have impacted the lives that we have in Hillsdale. I truly mean that. So I want to thank you on behalf of the residents of Hillsdale County, on behalf of our hospital. Uh, thank you for what you're doing to um, spearhead such a such a noble project as this. Well, those are very kind words, JJ, and I'll make sure I pass those along to staff and my my board of directors. Again, it's just it's a pleasure working with all the rural hospitals and clinics and EMS agencies across the state of Michigan. We, we just, we love our work.
And now for our favorite part of the show, the voice of the patient. Wayne is 80 years old. So when he contracted COVID-19, he was sure that he was a goner. Living just 12 miles away between Pittsford and Hudson, his wife drove him to the ER at Hillsill Hospital. I was so sick when I got there, he said. For a three or four day period, I didn't care if I lived or died. But the doctors and nurses, they kept an eye on me and kept me alive. During those several days in what's now called the COVID relief facility, Wayne was so ill that he could hardly do very simple tasks for himself. The nurses had to help him take a shower and tend to his basic needs. That weighs heavy on a man's heart, you know, he said. But I appreciate the help they gave me. I couldn't ask for better care and nicer nurses. Thankfully, Wayne was able to pull through and recover from COVID-19. While the movement in his hands are still not totally back to normal, him and his doctor are confident that with time, he'll be able to get his strength back. COVID hits everyone differently, Wayne said. I'm just glad that they were able to keep me alive. Hearing stories like this, it just really keeps us connected to what we do and why we do it here at Hillsdale Hospital, but also here on Rural Health Rising. Our goal is to create awareness around the importance of rural health. And, you know, we know that a fifth of the American population lives in rural communities. And so hearing stories like this really puts a personal perspective on why access to rural health care is so critical and why we're so passionate about fighting for that. All right, John. So before we close, um, we like to do a fun segment with each of our guests. So we want to know, what is your most unique rural experience or one of your favorite memories that is unique to rural life? Oh, boy. So I don't know if I have a, a specific memory, but I, I will tell you what I really enjoy is the travel to work. So when I head north, you know, when you get north of Gaylor, there's this one point on I-75 where it's like a vista. It's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. And then, I do. And then if I'm going into the UP, I love to cross the bridge. I love that bridge. I love to turn right to go into St. Ignace and stop at the Driftwood and get some walleye bites. If I'm going to head to, to Manistique and see Bob Crum, I love looking over to my left and seeing Lake Michigan. You know, Michigan's one of the, the few states that has island health. We have clinics on Beaver Island, Mackinac Island, um, Boise Blank or Bablo Island and Drummond Island. The state appropriates money to each of them, and we're, we uh, make sure they get it. And about every four or five years, I, I travel to them just to see how they're doing and say hello, and it's fun. And so I've taken the ferry, you know, across the Drummond Island. I've taken it from Sheboygan to Bablo Island, from from St. Ignace to, to Mackinac Island. And I've also taken the, the boat from Charlevoix, 36 miles to to uh, Beaver Island and Patty was with me and uh, we were doing, you know, just visiting down at Quebec and all the folks there. And of course, as we're coming back, the lake got rough and uh, she turned green. So there, there is a memory. <laughs> so the next time we went, um, I, I splurged and, and you can take a small four seater, uh, five seater little plane from, uh, from Charlevoix to Beaver Island. It's like all of 11 minutes. And it was the most beautiful airplane ride I've ever been on. 
wouldn't you know that two people, I got to be co-pilot and Patty was in the back and two of the, the two women were Pat and Gill middle school teachers that taught my kids. Oh my goodness. Isn't that something? Of the, uh, a small world. Yeah. Small world. So um, I guess I do have a couple memories. Those memories, yes, are the, the travel and the meeting everybody out there. Well, the beauty of Michigan, John, it certainly is wonderful. So thanks again for joining us today, John. Next time on Rural Health Rising, we'll talk about quality data with one of our Hillsdale Hospital loan. So be sure to tune in. And as a reminder, we are collecting patient testimonials to be featured during our Voice of the Patient segment. If you have an experience to share about the positive impact you or your loved one has had as a patient at a rural hospital or healthcare provider, call our direct voicemail line at 269 447 1265 or email us at marketing at hillsdalehospital.com and share your story. You just might be featured on a future episode of Rural Health Rising. And with that, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and tell others why they should listen as well. Your feedback helps more listeners find Rural Health Rising. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay strong. Rural Health Rising is a production of Hillsdale Hospital in Hillsdale, Michigan, hosted by J.J. Hodshire and Rachel Lott. Audio engineering and original music by Kenji Ulmer. Special thanks to today's guest, John Barnes, Executive Director of the Michigan Center for Rural Health. For more interviews like this and more information or to share your patient or family testimonial with us, visit RuralHealthRising.com.